What you're about to listen to is an unedited podcast recorded live at the Eurogamer Expo 2012 on Saturday the 28th. The equipment we used was the cheapest and shoddiest man and money can buy. So please forgive any audio problems and sound level issues you may hear during the show. We have done our best to clean it up as much as possible and make it as easy on the ear as we can. Also, please listen to the end of the show as we'll be giving away a Steam key for a full pack of indie games. That Robin Smith game scene. You a gamer special. Live. Yeah, that'll do. There we go. So, um, I'm here with. Somebody's got to leap in first. Jake Del Sorrow from the Last Save Loaded podcast. Chris O'Regan from the Super Happy Fun Time Show. Jerry Calvo from the Last Save Loaded. Jazzy from the AI Bots. David Forrest from the podcast that doesn't exist, but he'd, he would like to. And <laughs> um, Jake Teltoro's little brother. So, um, first off, well, you and a gamer, 2012, on Saturday, if you hadn't figured out from the intro. Uh, who's here for the first time? Uh, and, really, first off, what was your expectations coming here? I mean, what did you expect, and is it what you expected? I, to be honest, it's not as quite as busy as I expected it to be. I was expecting rows of people shuffling past each other, like arms pinned by the sides, all trying to go up at the same games. And there's been a little bit more movement on my part than I expected, to be honest. Yeah, um, I was I was uh, attracted to the event from being in Spain. I've never been to anything like this before, and so I didn't really know what to expect. But I've been pleasantly surprised because, uh, you know, I've seen quite a few games that, you know, I'm really quite interested in, and, and a lot of the people that I've uh, wanted to meet as well has also been a big part of the experience. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really happy that I came over. I mean, it was a hell of a trip from Spain, but I'm, I'm glad I did. Glad I didn't miss it. This is my first time here. Um, really, I was, I was expecting a busy event like a lot of the guy, other guys have echoed. Um, however, it has been. Busy at times, but a lot, a lot of the other guys have said there's been enough movement, so everyone's been able to get around and get a look at what they want. Um, from my personal point of view, um, I haven't queued for the major games, such as Call of Duty Black Ops 2, because I feel that it's questionable how much innovation there will be from the older ones, in my, in my point of view. And also for the fact that anyone who's really excited for the game, the game is released in eight weeks. So from a personal point of view, I almost consider it pointless queuing potentially for hours for a game that's going to be released within a very short window of time. Um, so of those of us who have been here before, what, what do you think of this year compared to the last few years? It's larger. Uh, the floor space is much larger and uh, it's laid out very well. I think the organisation slightly improved year on year. I've been, to the, I've been to every single one since they first started because that's me and I'm a bit mad. Um, and as we all know, it's because I go to every expo known to man on every planet. Um, but this one specifically is 
one of the most relaxed. Um, it's not as nearly as intense as others I go to. Um, it's like the antithesis of E3, um, so I don't think it's anything like that, um, because E3 is all about business and getting, getting coverage, and that's all that matters, whereas this is just having a good time. And I think my favourite sections have to be Resed, Indie, um, Arcade, Retro, and... Uh, some that's really my my. I keep on going, drifting myself, finding myself drifting back to those areas. Uh, less so the main like um, 18 plus area. Anybody in there to play Tomb Raider? Because uh, they have rows and rows and rows of booths for Tomb Raider, and I'm, I was intrigued as to what they were doing with that. But I'm probably fast forwarding ahead to what we, what we liked. But yeah, I just like the new layout, the organisation, and the fact that uh, it's improving. But the, my big big negative is they've still got no tabletop here. So what games have you? sort out this year deliberately what brought you here mainly? There's not really been any games I've been excited for this year. Um, the main one was Aliens but that's been put back till next year and uh, there's not been any games that I've been really looking forward to but the few ones I've seen I had a go of the God of War one and I found it quite difficult because I've never played it before. Uh, just button pressing fast. Uh, yeah, part of that these, all the other games have just been what I expected, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, Metal Gear Rising was one that I was really interested to come and see. And, uh, yeah, it, I didn't know how they were going to take that, that mechanic that's on a stealth mechanic and then turn it into a more of a beat-em-up game. And it's really interesting to see how well Platinum have actually sort of taken that and, and moved it on, but still retaining that kind of Metal Gear essence. It's, yeah, I was really impressed with it. The slicing mechanics difficult to get used to, but once you get used to it, it's it, you know, really spot on and really enjoyed it. So, yeah, it's one that's kind of... I didn't really know what I was going to expect going in, but once I got to play it, it was, yeah, really w went up my list for things to buy. Something I'm curious about, Chazzy, because of the game, game's development being taken over by Platinum Games, who are obviously most famous for Bayonetta, have they introduced... Um, tropes into the game that very much make it feel like Bayonetta but then on the other hand has it also re retained enough of the Metal Gear ideas and tropes to make it still feel like a Metal Gear game but with some freshness? It feels more like a Metal Gear game than it does a Bayonetta game by a long stretch, yeah. Uh, I think I think I'm just echoing what uh, what Chaz just said. I had a go on it and I found it quite difficult at the beginning because it was just getting used to that that, that with the buttons pushing them up and, and getting the right angle on slides. It's quite difficult under pressure with big machines coming at you. Or you're being under a demo. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that could be a, a, you know a good game mechanic and, and a hell of a lot of fun once you get used to it and you know what you're doing, what you're working towards. It was very short, and I don't think it was very long, but. Um, I still think that it's got it's got a lot of uh, promising features coming to it. So I'm looking forward to it. It wasn't a game that I particularly came to see, but I think it's one that I'm left now with the idea of maybe perhaps buying. Mm. Uh, it's been sold to me pretty much. Oh. Done this job. Um, what have you come to see? Um, well, I, I think it's as I mentioned before. I, I didn't really know. I knew what was here, but I, I didn't really know what specifically I was after. Um, I just wanted to have a taste of what was coming um, and, and see for myself, really. So I, I haven't really been... I'm only here for a day, so I'll probably not get a chance to see everything. But what I did walk past and have a go on, the other one I was interested in was Hitman as well, which, which I really... Um, you could say that I was looking for you know, as soon as I walked in through the door. Um, 
and I got onto straight away. It was the first one that I was after. But apart from that, I mean, you know, the FIFA's a bit of pairs and stuff as usual. I played the demos, but really, Hitman surprised me. It's what I expected, and uh, and another one that's be going into my shopping trolley. I think pretty soon when it's out. Yeah, okay. So, with this being, how many Xboxes has been for you again? Since 2008, so it's a fifth. Fifth. I've only been here three times. Um, the last few years, at least, it's say doubled in size year on year almost? No. Well, attendee numbers here, but the year before, I mean, they've had to double in size already. Okay. So it's, it's getting yeah. bigger. Yeah. So, um, what do you think is a, you know, could be attested to? Contributing towards that growth, and what do you think people are coming back in their droves and bringing other people with? Um, it's this, the, it's about the medium. The medium itself is raising in prominence over year and year and year, and we now know that it outsells every other medium uh, by some margin, um, unless it's a porn book for women. Um, <laughs> um, so, but generally speaking, it's it's outstripping everything right now. Uh, and that especially, I think that the 2011, the biggest selling album, uh, was a take that album, but it sold like 10 million over a period of six, seven weeks, whereas we all know Call of Duty sold that in a day. So that pretty much says how prominent, and that is why people are coming to this, these things, these these um, these events, these public events. Um, what is interesting, though, is having said all that, I think the, the percentage of male versus female is probably 20 to 80. Uh, that's got to change, and I don't think having booth babes wandering around with QR codes in our ass is helping that. Um, so that's that's that that's got to stop. Now, 14-year-old packs they actually you know keep people out for doing things like that. But if you go to Gamescom, conversely, it's everywhere. They're all over the place. So you know it's it's just, it's a cultural thing as well as it, it, it's got to stop. That's got to stop. Yeah, it's you know, but it's 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 self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a circular argument, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you're going to cater to that audience, then the audience is going to come. But you know, if you want to, then at the same time, you want to broaden the audience, you're going to have to get away from um, the stuff that you, the, what you're delivering. So going back to the point, yes, it's growing, but it's you know, you've got a finite audience for it. And um, if they want to broaden it, then they're going to have to stop this this uh, mm, unfortunate way of presenting it as a, as a medium. Yep. Question if. If they do stop that sort of thing and those audiences stop coming, do you think the figures would be quite as high? Do you think they'd still get as many people coming? Uh, yeah, but you get a different audience, you get different people coming. You get more broad sweep. It's not just women walking around with hardly anything on with QR codes on, what they are wearing. It's also about the games as well. You know, because they do have SimCity here, which I spent playing half an hour for. Well, I was playing 10 minutes, it was half an hour because that's what SimCity's like. Um, but it's nice to see that here, sitting right next to, you know, Crisis 3. You know, it's bizarre as to what's happening. It's good, nice, sort of broad sp uh, spread of games, but there's still a lot of, I mean, I'm, we're looking down here on the, and they're looking to see there's Halo 4 nestled amongst the indie game section. It's uh, quite peculiar. Um, but it's, we have to cater to all sorts of audience, and they're doing a pretty good job of that. But they need to do need to work at it if they want to actually make video games uh, uh, as as recognised as an entertainment uh, form of entertainment as literature and films and plays, what have you. I think it's more a case of. I mean, they, they, you say they do have a good spread of games, but it's the floor space and how they're allocating how much. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of 
bit of money going into it with Call of Duty getting such a big chunk over in the corner and games like that obviously getting so much space. Um, one thing I noticed that was different this year was having their marina areas and having such large spaces to get devoted to them where, say, in the 18 section there's a big, I think, tournament set up over there and there used to be loads of seating over there so they're starting to fit it out with more um, events, yeah. almost. But um, do you think that the fact they're diversifying in, in what they're showing here, not just demos, but holding tournaments and having the retro arcade, that that is sending possible mixed messages? Because, um, I mean, there's nothing against this, but I'm seeing parents dragging very young children around at the same time. And uh, there was one moment where there was a young mother just getting panicked because her child's lost in this thrall of people. Um, uh, while it's good to have a diverse range of people coming, do you think they're quite explaining to people what this is? That maybe some people are getting mixed messages about it because there are people coming here and it looks like they're treating it like a fair or a fake. People just coming to play the games and they're bringing kids and it's, it seems to be a bit of a strange mix walking around, at least compared to the last couple of years. I mean, you, there was, I think last year there was a school trip that came down, which was surreal. Like this school, and they bring their school trip around here. It was, it was mad, but um, Why yeah, not? It's, it's, it's. I mean, they, they have an over eighteen section for a reason. Yes, yes, they and, do. They uh, do. Uh, I think they really. They're 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 pretty cool. Yeah. But, but I'm not sure where Hotline Miami is, but I'm not sure if it's actually in the eighteen section. No, it's not. No, so not. that's bad. Because that's yeah. extremely bad. Or, uh, right outside, so. I mean, Crisis, I don't know if that's technically an 18, I think it's probably just 15. It's just 15, but yeah. It's right outside the doors of the yeah. 18, actually, it could just yeah. be one row in and it would be tucked away. But um, it's interesting to see the, the mix of people you've got here. I'm going off on one, it shouldn't be me talking, it's about one of the other things. Um, so, anybody else want to jump in on that? About the, the I think lessons can be learned from what you've just said. And, and what Chris has just said, I think the right the right mixture, the right blend is very difficult to get at this early stage. It, it's only been going, Chris, you said for five, five years. years. I mean, it's still early days. It's I mean, so very, very, very small. Yeah. Well, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think something like this of this nature um, wouldn't really happen where I'm from. And if it does, it would probably start like like you say, like in the shop corner somewhere in in in, in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere. Continental Europe. It's Gamescom. The, the continent goes to that. 250,000 people descend on Cologne. And I'm not just talking about the Germans either, I'm talking about the French, the Spanish, the, the Portuguese, the, the Greeks, the Lithuanians. But seriously, they all come from all over continental Europe because it's in the continent. They take a train that fast, you know what it's like over there. It, and they, they just arrive there you know, en masse. And, uh, and so, you know, if you. It's. They are both expos, and they both cater to the same audience. Just so it happens that the first language of the one or the other one is German. But ultimately, they're very, very similar. It's just that this would just be one of the seven halls in Gamescom. This whole thing would be one of the seven halls. And that's just for the public. There's the other three for the press. So, sense of scale. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because it can only get bigger and better. I think if we all could give some sort of feedback and, and talk about things like this openly and say, you know, we think that maybe perhaps improvements could be made and we're all open about it. I think that the people who organise it will, will understand why and what and maybe sections, you know, can be 
done differently next year. I, I, I only think that the only way is up with this sort of thing, and, and hopefully if I do come back next year, it's going to be um, that much better. Hmm. Um, this one's a hard one phrase, most of all, the one I've had on my mind most. So, it's just for opinion's sake, this is my opinion, but do we really need expos like this at all? Should we get rid of them completely? Are they, are they to an extent pointless? No, no, of course not. I don't think they are. I think they help us see what's coming and they try to get, uh, as Chris said as well, the media is very important nowadays. It makes a lot of money, more than films, more than, more than you know, music. Yeah. And so the industry needs that boost from people to go and see what, what's being developed and what things are coming in the future. So all as gamers, we're all here to see what the next best thing is. And, and, and if that's here to see it, then why not? Why not make the most of it and, and give developers a chance? Not only that, but it's also the things that are around it that are developing gamers as a culture as well. And that's kind of, I mean, for me coming here and the amount of people like podcasts like yourself, that has just blown up and, and that can only get bigger and better and more impressive as things like this go on. And then that permeates out into you know, greater society and culture. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's... it's it, like I say, it can only be an improvement for game, you know, games as a whole. Really, really to answer Robin's question, I really feel that events such as Eurogamer need to exist. They give the gaming industry a, a signpost to for us gamers to come to and show their wares. I believe also on a, point, on a personal level, certainly one of the main things that drew me to this event is that I feel in this modern generation of gaming, um, where a lot of us are perhaps friends on PlayStation Network, Xbox Live and various other social platforms, there isn't that connection that there was in the old days of gaming. And I believe that events like this where you have that connection to people where perhaps you don't really see them in regular life and you're all going to the same events. It gives you that chance to not only come to a central play, a central meeting spot, but have that social connection that is so missed and lacking these days. Because I, I don't believe that none of these platforms really could ever be as good as a face-to-face -face meeting in my opinion. Just to touch on that, I, I'm not part of the podcast circle, but um, just like seeing obviously Joe and Graham have only met the once before, but they podcast a lot together, and obviously they've never met a lot of you before, and you wouldn't get that otherwise. You wouldn't meet each other, and it's a good medium to meet all the other podcasters and all the other people involved in PlayStation, Xbox gaming, podcasting. I think it's good for that as well. So I should mention we've just been joined by. Hello, how you doing? Hello, uh, my name is Peter Willington and I'm from pocketgamer.co.uk, I'm the handheld editor there. What are we doing? We're doing a podcast. Oh my goodness, okay. Um, I've just asked a, a cutting question. Do events like this need to exist and if not are they in fact pointless? Goodness me, goodness me. Okay, so um, basically I think everybody, um, I sort of like caught some of the bits and pieces here. There's a lot of like a social sort of community aspect, isn't there? That everybody gets together and it's a fantastic sort of, are you going to Eurogamer Expo? Hashtag, yes I am. Uh, and, um, you know, 
you know, and it's one of those things like, you know, um, we're always sort of, like, as a community, like, driven, um, people sort of think of us as, like, um, quite antisocial people, like, you know, sat behind, like, monitors and, you know, um, the sort of, the only sort of tan that we get is from a, from a monitor, you know, that's, and that's, and that's, if, for some people maybe that's true, but, like, you get, you get something like this, and, it, and, you know, you, you look at, down onto the, the show floor, and there's like 30, 40,000 people that are coming to this thing, and that's 30 or 40,000 people who are coming together to share, you know, this one big love of like video games and all, all sorts of all sorts of shapes and sizes. You know, you have got indie games here, you have got your know, 360 games, PlayStation stuff. You know, there's there's been so little of this sort of like fanboyism that I keep right like like you know sort of like reading about. There's been so little of it. It's just people enjoying games, you know. And so I think it is really important for us to have things like this because. It kind of means that we come together in a sort of like, in a, in a sort of solidarity, and sort of go. Actually, do you know what? We're all kind of cool, and we're all kind of like getting together and having fun, and this is what we're really interested in. So I think from from that kind of like social uh, sociological viewpoint, it definitely is. From a consumer standpoint, it's brilliant because it means that you can go and see all these video games, and there's no demos out for half of this stuff. And I played Genix the other day. I was telling you about Genix. Um, Genix the other day, which is an indie game that would completely have passed me by if I hadn't walked down, you know, down into like the indie section and like gone around and sort of seen what was going on. Actually, I wouldn't have played Genix if they hadn't been advertising Hypoxia, which was the game I wanted to play, uh, but they had Genix on instead. So I sort of got tricked, uh, which was a clever bit of marketing. Um, but, you know, so you get all of that. And then from a business point of view, I would say that, like, absolutely, like, Eurogamer as a company, um, obviously I, I don't work with them, so I can't speak for them, but Eurogamer as a company will be making a bunch of money out of this. They're making connections. They're reinforcing their brand. So it's really, like, it's a very important uh, opportunity for consumers and for, like, businesses to get together and, um, and sort of show why this is the biggest entertainment industry in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, so talking of, of this year and how it's changed to year on year and looking at the like I say the layout and how everything's spaced out and the amount of floor space some games have and some games don't. And of the indie arcade. I mean what would you like to see more of and less of? Pinball machines. Number one. Um, yeah, it's close. It's close. Because um, uh, and I've been to retro event, retro game adventures. It's actually now rebranded and moved to Manchester this year, which comes out. It happens in a couple of weeks from now, and that's like mixed with play game or something. But the pinball machines are a huge draw for any expert. I mean, I saw them at Gamescom. I saw them at. E3 even, I saw them at, at PAX, and especially at PAX, and they had this whole room full of them, um, and they were extremely popular for, for good reason. And um, the other thing is I like to see, because they did it res a little bit, but they sort of dabbled with it, was I like to see some tabletop gaming, because there's more to games now than, um, than video games now, it's just games, and we should be more celebratory of the, the event of games rather than just it's what my friend who loves tabletop games, flashy lighty games. Um, we should uh, expand our horizons a bit. And I think I thought Eurogamer were going to do that, but I'm very disappointed actually that there's nothing here based on what I saw at Res earlier this year. Well, I spoke for us all. Um, talking of Eurogamer, how do you feel about the fact this is Eurogamer's thing? 
what with it being a press site, should it be more, even if it's run by the same people, should the brand go and be renamed something? Is it right for them and the website to be associated? Essentially, they're getting all these exclusives at the same time as, you know, presenting them to other people. Secluding their opposition, coming by being their opposition. Um, okay, so basically, um, Eurogamer does really well out of this, obviously, um, because it means that they can make contacts and um, they can sort of show the world that uh, the UK has. I mean, this really, I mean, there's MCM Expo, obviously, but this really is the video game conference. Game tried something last year and it kind of fell flat on its arse. And um, so it gives Eurogamer the sort of like prestigious uh, sort of place of being the people that host it and it reinforces to the world that like their website and their brand you know they are like world-class leaders you know, they can put on a, an expo that puts on look, that welcomes tens of thousands of people is at central london and has like you know exclusive content it's got assassin's creed 3 it's got call of duty it's got like you know it's got all of these really big names from all these big brands and it can attract that so um and that's kind of important because it means that um like from a consumer level, it means that you know you're not stuck. The indie games are brilliant, but those people are the people who really need the coverage, and they will come to whatever. Like with any chance that they're given, they will absolutely you know try and get their name out there. But Activision could be way more fussy, you know, and it takes a big, big label like Eurogamer to to sort of um, to attract that kind of a talent. Um, and so, so it's good for the consumer that Eurogamer's got their name on it. It's also a brand that people recognise and trust. And, um, you know, if it was like, you know, Joe Bloggs' games event, probably wouldn't take off quite as well. Um, but if it's the Eurogamer thing, obviously you tap into some sort of inbuilt community already. You've got um, Nintendo Life, for example, who are good friends of mine, who are running, like, their spot pass thing. And that's a great bit of branding that they can run. And But it also means that, like, it means that, that people will come from Nintendo Life's community and come in and sort of, they'll pay for a load of tickets and they'll meet up and they'll do all this sort of stuff and it keeps the community, uh, this this expo running. Um, so that's kind of cool. I think the, the the one thing about like putting out their competitors, generally, as far as I know, competitors in terms of like consumer-facing journalism the companies that aren't here, notably not here, and notably do not run coverage, um, it's simply because they choose not to. Eurogamer actually do invite them and sort of say, come along if you want, and it's completely fine, you know. Um, so, for example, um, taking a name out of the air, uh, uh, yeah, GameSpot, for example. GameSpot, like, absolutely could come along to this, and they could do a load of coverage, and they could do all of the stuff that they are brilliant at doing, which is obviously video, writing up previews, Getting, you know, covering every single thing in as immaculate detail as they can. They don't because obviously it mean it, it's to to them it would be kind of admitting to 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 another brand that um, you know Gamespot don't have an event basically and 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 so what they don't want to do is sort of highlight hey Eurogamer this rival of us like. They put this event on. Maybe you should check out their event and maybe their website, um, because obviously that's the way that you, you lose readership. And it does obviously having the name Eurogamer attached to the convention. It does mean that you 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 will miss out on like big big publications. But I think smaller publications, enthusiast sites, and sort of stuff that's just sort of starting to turn over a profit, actually 
everybody, they, they're in the position where they're like, well, everyone kind of knows who Eurogamer is and we aren't going to steal Eurogamer's traffic and they aren't going to steal any of ours, really, because the, you know, those, that level of site is all about building up a community and that, that sort of thing. So, I'm tired. So, does anybody want to talk about like, like, po like Pokemon or can we talk about that stuff? No. I think uh, it is a ludicrous situation where we find ourselves in, where the major sites, IGN, GameSpot, NowGamer, etc., etc., don't cover this event simply because of the reason you've given. And that's it. It's just simply, we've got the Eurogamer sign right behind me and I'm talking to a microphone. I can't do this. You know, so there may be some point to actually renaming and rebranding it to avoid all that mess because it is a vicious circle and people want to see those people trucking around you want to see IGN people trucking around whether we like it or not would be great uh, but then again it does give the benefit of the smaller size like uh, I work for a Spong and uh, to actually um, just come along and we don't care you know the, the people here with there's press rooms there's people to see and uh, we should we should you know if they build it we will come sort of thing so um, yeah it's it's a bit petty and ridiculous but I can see their point of view. Okay. All right, well, darling, back at me. I think everybody's exhausted. Um, so one thing I notice on here is many of the demos we get in the Eurogamer Expo are demos that are shown at E3 and demos shown at other events. Do you think they should be bringing more updated versions of their games to this event? Because obviously they've probably updated them in the time period since E3. And should we get the opportunity to see this? I can kind of see the, I can kind of see your argument, Robin, that they should be bringing updated demos and updated gameplay to um, a later conference. But then, um, speaking as potentially a company man, I can see why the sensing why they'd want to bring a working demo, a, a demo that has worked again on a huge platform such as Eurogamer because I think especially your big players such as Activision and etc etc do not want to bring what could potentially be an unstable new build to a big event such as this and potentially get egg on their face because I think kind of the way they, I mean I might be totally theorising here but I can put myself in their minds and I think they're almost thinking well if it ain't broke don't fix it if it's a working demo that they can show to us consumers then say yes it's a pre-beta build so yes it may be a bit buggy but it works perhaps should we say 99.5% of the time they're not gonna mess with that ratio really by bringing a newer a newer build of the demo. Well, some of these guys are probably under time constraints as well, and taking people off of, um, you know, developing their game to then create another build as well. They're not going to want to do that. You know, it's money that's being taken out of and time that's being taken out of development. So maybe that's another issue to it as well. You know. Um, not everyone can go to Gamescom, not everyone can go to E3, so it doesn't really matter. This is for the consumer, this is a consumer event. So it just gives more hands-on, more eyes to see as they travel tour with this same demo. You know, they don't actually release a lot of this stuff out to the public. And although, having said that, some of the, some stuff on the floor is actually available on, online. I think the Fable demo at the moment, that's actually, you can download that at the moment. Yeah.
can download that too. So, going around the room, we'll do the traditional, what's been your highlight, and why? I'm going to go with something that is not digital, and the highlight for me has been meeting members of the community. I mean, it's been great seeing some of the games that I've been looking forward to, but um, the, the real highlight for me has been meeting people like yourself and, and people I've not met before. And that's what that really is what the event's been about for me, rather than games. Although it has been great to see them. Really, I want to hark, really, really, I really want to echo what Jake said. Um, that the highlight of this event to me has been meeting um, people that I've met before and seeing how they're doing at this point of time, and also meeting an awful lot of new faces. Um, also, just really another highlight on a sort of a human level has been just feeling the enthusiasm of everyone in the room. They were all here, you know, I mean, we've got people here that just stick to perhaps Call of Duty and that's all they want to come and see. Then we want to we, we get people who want to really have a tour around and have a bit of, like, really have a bit of a platter sort of approach, you know, trying a little bit of everything. And then you get your guys who perhaps really focus on the indie scene and that's where their passion is. To pin my um, highlight down to a game, I would have to say that would be the new Tomb Raider that's been developed. Um, I've, I have been a long-term fan of the series. When I sort of noticed that it was going slowly downhill in a lot of ways and then that sort of... Um, said that they were going to effectively reboot it and go from what I took, certainly at the beginning, sounded like a very origin story to take us to events right back from before, from games that we've played before. I, it really fired my curiosity, to be, on, to be honest. So to be able to come to an event and actually see it, admittedly in a very very slightly rough around the edges beta build and also a very, should we say, short and very linear demo. I'd say it's very much whetted my appetite to see how it develops up until it's it being finally released. Yeah, I, I think it's coming all this way, especially I live in Spain, as you may know or not know, and meeting new faces and uh, coming to see you know, people that you play games online with time and time again and not really knowing you know, what face to, to put to it because everyone's got a little avatar in the corner of their, you know, next to their gamer tag. So you... <laughs> you uh, no. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, think, I think that's that's been the big highlight for me. I've come all this way. Um, especially to meet those uh, fantastic people that I, I game online and my podcasting buddy hosts and, and stuff. So, yeah, and, and games-wise, I think it's something that we all enjoy doing, so it doesn't matter what's out there, as long as we all have fun seeing it and playing, then that, that's the major thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the community aspect has been amazing, but um, two of my friends have uh, sort of dragged me over to the Vlambeer stand to see Luftrausers, and this is amazing um, sort of uh, airplane game, left to left to right, or right to left. You can go anywhere you like, but 
it's got a kind of cannibal cannibal aesthetic to it and um oh it's just been fantastic the the, the controls are so tight and I've, i was stuck there for minutes and minutes and minutes playing this game and they couldn't get me off the stand and then sitting there like having to sit there with the developer and kind of you know him explaining to us that you know there's these sky ships that you can attack and it just took me like took me way back to like back in the days of like sort of Atari and the you know combat and that kind of stuff and it was it was fantastic so it's really one I would really really recommend yeah it's just um, like that playing games that you wouldn't normally play if you walking past you see an empty seat you think oh, I'll give that a go and you're hooked like you said there you wouldn't yeah obviously obviously yeah we, we touched on that subject before but uh yeah just playing games you wouldn't normally play um yeah that and coconut m&ms didn't think i'd ever get them again from america but i've had them magic and uh kissing the xenomorph as well that was up there um, I think uh, three things, if I may. I think the first highlight uh, for me was playing Cards Against Humanity against a bunch of people I barely knew and watching them double over in, in pain as they're laughing so hard at the cards as we were pulling them out. The other thing was the surprise uh, for me was uh, God of War Ascension. Um, I only played this multiplayer at um, another event and then playing a single player had done something to it, done something to that game to make it more entertaining again. Um, they've made the controls different. Whether it's better or not, I'm not sure, but I seem to find it more engaging and entertaining than I had in previous incarnations of the game. So uh, I have hope that uh, actually this game is worth people's attention. But my highlight, for, generally, uh, for me, is uh, uh, Rayman Legend um, on the Wii U. Um, beautiful, beautiful game. It really picks up and uh, spiritually from the rest of the Rayman games and the other systems. But uh, this one especially, very uh, inventive, very excellent use of the of the, of the pad when you're using it cooperatively with someone else. A really, really fun game. So yeah, that's it for me. Last but not least. Oh, hello. Um, oh, goodness me. Uh, Proteus, which is a... It's like what an Atari 2600 game would look like if you could play it in first person. Um, and uh, it's not even really a game. It's kind of basically an exploration title whereby you sort of wander around and um, uh, kind of watch the sunset and see the fireflies and listen to the music change and that's the sort of um, that's the sort of uh, indie uh, nonsense that I quite like. So um, yeah, that was that was really exciting and uh, and uh, just sort of seeing like the enthusiasm of like um, especially like the younger generations like coming up like the the sort of like 18, 19 year olds like really sort of like really keen into into what they're doing, like really, the discussions that were going on with that sort of like younger generation, the, the the generation of like writers that's sort of like coming up now, and like just a uh, little bit creepily sort of like listening to some of the conversations that were sort of going on between with these very small little um, independent run sites by these kids, and just the little sparky conversations that were happening. It's just it was amazing to hear that there's still that passion um, for, for for the form. Oh no, I don't know. It's just not about it. Uh, there's too many games I like for me to pick. Uh, sorry. What? Um, and I can't co compete with these two. That like, oh, it's about the people. Like anything I say now, it's going to sound like a dick thing. Okay, I'll finish up with it. So, um, three highlights essentially. Uh, unfinished one, which kept on making me go back. Every time I walk past, I just 
what's going on there? And it was weird when we were playing it, it's almost like a visual, a visual representation of what it must be like to be blind. And that's what I got from it, it was like, you're feeling your way around the room, it's like, you throw the paint there and then, oh that's what's there, I can kind of tell what's there and then you move and it all changes slightly, so you're like, this is really strange, sort of sensation. But it was, it was, really stuck with me. And the, the contrast black and white, very simple colours, but really striking. Um, I'll get to you back here in a second. Um, and then there was the cave, which was just funny and charming. And it had all of the personality that, that a classic point and click has, for good reason, considering who's developing it. But in, in a 2D puzzle platformer, um, all characters, just endlessly entertaining. So if you get the chance, and you get free figure, which was just lovely. I didn't go up there. For, I don't like like freebies, but it's like have a free toy. Oh, thank you. Um, and lastly, as as mainstream as it sounds, Devil May Cry or DMC, because I'm a big fan, and I'm very glad that it isn't as terrible as everybody was naysaying that it would become. And oh, how do you look like this? And, you know. Um, Brilliant uh, action, I'm really happy with it, so yes, looking forward to picking it up. But uh, we're being kicked out, so we can't go on any longer. But thank you everybody, and uh, uh, keep listening because I'm giving away some Steam games uh, later on in the show, or just after we've finished here. Your Steam key for Wizard Bit Trip Runner, Gratuitous Space Battles, and Jamestown follows next. First come, first so. G F T H P Q B E Q P 2 X 3 L V.